Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Throughout history, there have been individuals who have not only prayed that prayer, but walked it out as a lifestyle day by day. Each of these people have a story about creating and maintaining a revival culture wherever the Holy Spirit leads. This podcast is about capturing those stories and telling them to the world. So whether you are driving down the road, cutting your grass, working out, or just relaxing on your couch, thank you for choosing to join us for our Revival Chats. All right. Well, it has been a long time, but here we are finally back in the podcast studio here at Parker City Christ Fellowship, ready to finally start talking about the pastor. Yeah. Now, this has been a long time coming. I get it. But we uh, endeavored. We set out on an adventure months ago. Nair, I say probably close to a year ago. You know, things happen. Like, there was a global pandemic and stuff. I don't know. But anyway, we did Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist. We did podcasts on all three of those. And uh, we got some good feedback on that. Felt like the Lord helped. And we always intended, listen, when I promise, I will fall through. So I told you it was happening. We are recording the Pastor Podcast right now. This is what you're watching. And then, as you would expect... Guess what's coming? Tell them. Tell them. <laughs> the, the evangelist, yeah. No, the teacher. Oh, yeah. Like I said, the evangelist uh, was coming. Now we're doing teacher. We did the evangelist. It was great. Yeah, it was really good. Yep. So this is a pastor podcast. And, uh, you know, a, across the, the spectrum of these five podcasts, our source text is in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about the gifts that Christ delivered to the church. And he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now I'm reading from the ESV. Mine says shepherds. Aaron has the NASB. His says pastors. pastors. Yeah. Uh, I looked at a couple different versions. And the most, I would say the most widely, I don't say accepted, but probably the most popular versions are going to say pastor or shepherd. I think the NIV uh, also says uh, pastor. Um, so that is, uh, we will get to that in a second. But I want to start with, uh, you, sometimes it seems like it's really helpful when you're describing what something is. Um, because I think that's really a good place to start is to define, okay, what, well, what is a pastor, right? So when I say pastor, many of you probably think of the, the primary guy who's in charge at the local church or girl, lady, woman, um, man leading, leading the charge at the local congregation, uh, probably the one who's preparing the sermons most often for Sunday morning, the one who's leading the midweek prayer service, the one who's making the hospital calls, the one who's scheduling the plumber to come and clean out the toilet. I mean, stocking the food bank, mowing the lawn, visiting the widows, caring for the orphans, all fixing of the shingles the on the roof above. Yeah. So now, 
I get it. What we're talking about here today is going to span, I don't care what size your church is, whether you have a congregation of two people or whether you have a congregation of 2,000 people. A, a biblically called pastor is going to function like the foundation is going to be the same. The purpose, according to Christ, of that calling on that person is going to be the same. All right. Now, obviously, if you have um, a thousand people in your church, uh, it might manifest a little differently. Uh, but what I want to start to say, this was one of the big things, and I think Aaron even mentioned it. You mentioned it one other time when we talked about, well, maybe it was in the very first introduction podcast, but sometimes when we are defining something, it helps to say what it's not. Right. And a pastor is not a hireling. Amen. That's where we wanted to start. That was the foundation we wanted to lay first off. Um, talk about that a little bit. Like, what does it look like? What's the mindset that puts the pastor into that pigeonhole, the, the hireling thing? Well, if we're doing it right, uh, no man or woman is serving in that office because they decided they were gifted that way, and it would be a good good idea to go. It's a calling, and yeah. so it's not something for you to do. Uh, it's, it's who you are. And uh, so oftentimes, if we've made business out of the church, we've chosen the people that uh, fill the gift set. Like we've administratively chose chosen people uh, to do the things we want done, as opposed to asking the very simple question: What's the spirit of the Lord saying to the church? Uh, who has He called here? And let's let the Lord be in charge of governing His own body. Yeah, I love uh, what you said. You've said it with every calling. Ephesians 4 calling that we've looked at so far, it's not something you do, it's who you are. Correct. The Lord looks at a person and says, this is my apostle. Yes. This is my prophet. Yes. This is my evangelist, my pastor, my teacher. And there are specific purposes, uh, assignments that go along with each one of those callings. Yes. So uh, the purpose of the pastor is not necessarily to administrate the running of a church. Is that a fair thing to say? Yes, it's also a triggering thing to say in light of a lot of uh, modern Christianity, especially here in America. But yeah, um, I think we've made uh, pastors uh, administrative hirelings a lot of times. And so um, as opposed to being about uh, the preaching and teaching of the word and the shepherding of and the oversight of the flock. And so really, ultimately, it's about God, his word, and his people, and we've made it past so much of pastor's work is keeping the machine running. Yeah, uh, keeping keeping oil in the machine to keep friction yep. down <laughs> on on the on the machine we've built. Put putting right? out fires between this congregant yeah. and that congregant. Yeah, right? we've, we've made a big machine and told him to keep it running. Well, so you've used this word and a couple times, and it's also in some translations as I reference. So, shepherd. I think if we consider the pastor as Jesus intended it in the context of what a shepherd does with his flock, his or her, uh, we will get closer to what Christ intended for the pastor of any individual local body. Of course. So the, the primary purposes of a shepherd with a flock of sheep is protection, right? That's like number, I don't, I've never been a shepherd, 
of a flock of sheep. Well, that's a life and death one. Yeah. That's like up there pretty high, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you got the wolves. Now, we even have this imagery that is used in scripture where uh, there is warnings against wolves and sheep's clothing. Like this is yeah. a warning the to shepherds. The elders were actually, there wasn't, it's part and parcel to the office. Uh, the elders were apostolically commissioned to guard from wolves. Yeah. So th- this wasn't just talk. Yeah. Wasn't, yeah, I mean, it's a job. Okay, so we've got we've got protection. Yeah. We have uh, feeding. Jesus looked at Peter when he reinstates him. He says, feed my lambs, yeah. feed my sheep, right? Okay, now Peter, yes, Peter was an apostle, but Jesus is using very shepherdy language with Peter here. Well, he's an elder of elders. So, I mean, he's modeling, follow me as I follow Christ, Paul would have said. They're yeah. modeling before elders. Why? So those elders can lead other people to to model, and this is scriptural. I, you, if we were quoting scripture after scripture, we'd be here for a nine-hour yeah. podcast <laughs> and not be done with dis- what the Word has to say about ministry. But uh, for an elder, it's to model and to teach so that others can do what you do. Uh, you know, and there's there's correction, there's rebuke, there's exhortation, um, all those things in it. But you're imparting your teaching so that they can be in Christ like you are. And of course, for a pastor. Um, you're shepherding people. You're loving them into that. You're you're you you're you've got oversight on those people. You're seeing if they got an issue. You're seeing if they're heading toward a ditch. And pastors are uniquely uh, quality. They have a unique heart uh, that'll stick with people, and uh, and they'll go in after them. And yeah. they'll they'll love them through the night, and they'll hold their hand uh, uh, while their dog is sick or or their mom is. Uh, in a bad way, they'll, I mean, pastors are incredible people. So let's consider for a second. Um, <clears throat> now there's always the, everything I'm about ready to say, like there's a, there's a grace that God will provide. Right. But let's consider the dangers of somebody who's rightly, they feel rightly called into uh, a fivefold office uh, and all that they for whatever reason, maybe there's a lack of understanding, a lack of discernment, whatever. Uh, they, they're called to be a minister of the gospel. Let's say, for sake of my argument here, that they're actually called to be an evangelist. Okay. Okay. Well, because of Western society, because of our the the first or the the 21st century church's understanding of ministry, whatever it is, um, and we've already talked about the evangelist, but let's say that this person, their understanding is, well, I guess I'm going to go be a pastor. So now you've got somebody who's called to do the work of an evangelist who's who's put in this role where they're being expected to be a shepherd. Like, so what does that end up looking like? That's a trick question, right? I mean, because you could you could uh, say the same for a prophet. Like what yeah. I mean. Well, that is a really big question. It, it can be a train wreck. And it can be wonderful. The key is do is there enough spiritual... Re- so if the Lord leads, because the Lord will lead and has led for somebody properly called as an evangelist to yeah. be the lead elder yes. in a local body. Yes. So they, they've they got the governmental authority. Uh, the other elders uh, should answer to them, and rightfully so. Uh, but that the lead elder, the evangelist, obviously should be accountable sure. uh, to the other elders and, to of course, to God and His Word now, above all. So I want to interrupt you right there because you just used a different word that I like, and you, I've heard you use a lot. If you've heard, if you've been around Aaron much, when he's been talking about church leadership, he'll refer to a, a local 
pastor of a of a specific body as the lead elder. Yeah. Okay, so talk a little bit more about that because I really like that language. Well, you are who God says you are. Yeah. And so if God calls somebody in church government to be, I mean, it's as simple as saying who's in charge spiritually. Well, men choose who they choose. God chooses whom they choose. And when it's rightly recognized, uh, somebody who you may not expect may carry the most spiritual authority in the house. Mm. Um, and there are all sorts of diff- different church government structures, which, again, we're not going into right now. If I, if I mentioned the word church board, I would trigger a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, if I mentioned board of deacons, I would trigger a bunch of people. The reality is the leadership is who God says they are. Yeah. And when we get it right, we submit to that. Mm-hmm. And, and we acknowledge it, and we treat people like they are who God says they are. Yeah. And so that evangelist, the key in that situation, if you've got an evangelist or a prophet who is what God, God, like he recognizes where we are. And so if we call a prophet pastor so-and-so, mm-hmm. right, in, in a local in a local body, yeah, if that's going to work well, you've got to have humble men around them that, number one, recognize who he is and treat him like it or she. Yeah. Number two, um, we've got to recognize that that prophet is probably gifted differently uh, than a, a pastor. Hold your hand while the puppy dies. And like, all yeah, those now, things of that course, not that, I'm using an extreme example to paint a picture. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but uh, I mean, pastors can do, uh, pastors can be prophetically gifted, and obviously, prophets can be pastoral. Very, yeah. very much so. All yeah. these things are true. The question is, how is that prophet in that house gifted? Yeah. And instead of trying to pigeonhole him and make a brick out of him to make him like the lead elder down the street, uh-huh. how is he gifted? Like, let's sit down and have an actual talk. Because if God's having his way, and he is the man called for that season and that to be the lead elder, then the Lord will equip with men and women around him or her yeah. um, to fill in those gaps mm-hmm. and work with one another in humility and in love. Yeah, uh, Because this guy, I mean, if you and I led two churches down the street, we wouldn't fill the same roles. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, and we would need people around us to fill the things we we don't do well. Yeah. Nobody's supposed to do it all. Well, uh, with this particular thing that we call pastor, when it really are a pastor, we expect them to do everything well and, to, and also to do everything that nobody else is doing. Yeah. And that is a definition of a hireling, and that's on the church. Okay, so why is that a problem? Like, I... It seems obvious, but I I just want to I want us to make sure that we're clearly articulating that. Oh gosh, why, why is that it, a problem? Why is that Why is that bad? <laughs> oh, okay, because uh, stuff has to get done. You, well, right? like, I, I mean, yeah, uh, you you virtually you, you you wear people out. You you call you run them to depression. You make pastors overworked that are already maybe not rich people. Yeah. And so now they're making less per hour, right? And sure. they've got families at home. Uh, that That's just for starters. Everybody can understand what I just said. But let's flip the script and think about this. Uh, if if you're giving somebody all these jobs and all this authority, which frankly they shouldn't have, um, pretty soon you get out of balance. Pretty soon it's my way or the highway. This is the way we have to do things to keep the ship running. And you mm-hmm. got somebody that's overworked and prone to depression and angry outbursts because... They're not being loved. They're not being ministered to themselves. They're too busy. Um, you can get in all sorts of crazy land, but uh, yeah. I, I tell you, it's very difficult in that situation for a pastor who's re- working 80 hours a week, running 100 miles an hour to do everything, to see much besides what he's doing. And so if a true evangelist really does get sent to the house, he might not even recognize they're in the room, let alone receive them. Yeah. 
And so, I could go on, but I mean, it, it's well, we're going to bad I, news. I want you to go on with that in just a second, but I, I want to stick with the practical stuff just for a moment longer, because it could be that somebody will come across this podcast and be like, Oh, they're going to have all the answers. Well, I'm sorry to spoil. We're not going to have all the answers, but we might be able to have a few. What is what in that situation where somebody's listening to this and they go, maybe it's maybe it's somebody on an eldership or, or deacons or whatever, however they're they're organized, and they realize, oh my goodness, we've been asking this of our pastor, and now yeah. they're getting convicted. So yeah, so what's the now what? Like, what's the answer to that? How can it be? What, uh, what's a remedy? Honesty. Because that even that local body is gifted and called differently than the one down the street, and so you know it, it it would take corporate humility. It would take all the leadership coming together and saying, "We don't have all the answers, but we know we don't have all this right." And so, Pastor So and So, if we've yeah. been overworking you, I'm sorry, and we repent. We don't know how to fix it, but we're going to turn to the Lord together, hold up the scriptures, and we can ask the obvious questions like, and look at like. The facts. This yeah. is what we've been asking you to do. Does that look like maybe a program might cease happening at the church? Does that <laughs> that was a, that was a very trollish question. Talk but about yeah, I mean, in, in that case, I would be far more concerned with... Now, I'm assuming most of the people listening to this are believers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so are we not called to love one another and bear up under one another's burdens? And if if I'm... If I'm having that conversation, am I more concerned for the man or the woman sitting across the table from me or more concerned that our programs are running well? It seems very, I mean, from that, when you get to that point, it's a very selfish conversation. Do, do I love them enough to ask the question? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. And how can we help? Pastors are people too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. And, and, and I, and I would say to the whole church, if you, I mean, if you're listening to this, anybody hears me, uh, pastors, God help pastors. Um, they're some of the least ministered to people on earth. Mm. We expect so much of them. Um, and it's very difficult the way, the way we've done things for them to be ministered to well. Yeah. And some of these issues I've already mentioned feed into that, but we make it very difficult for pastors to receive help. Yeah. And we can fix that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and there are a wealth of, I mean, we could, we could talk about that, but we're not experts at that either. But I will say that there's tons of great resources that are Holy Ghost inspired that exist out there about how, how do I love my pastor? Well, but I will tell you this, and Aaron already said as much, you sit across the table from him and you say, what do you need? How can I help yeah. you? I love you. Yeah. How can we love you better. This I mean, isn't is not complicated, and right? we're not. You know, there's been a time there was the um, there was a, a movement that went through ministry. It was the shepherding movement, where you know it was all it was all very man centered, uh, pointed towards. It was a man centered attempt to restore governmental leadership in the church. Yeah, and it was always going to end badly. So that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about now. If the Lord puts it in your heart to go mow your pastor's yard. And you've and you've had a conversation with him, and you know that it's actually going to help him. Then absolutely do it. And notice, I said you've had a conversation with him because maybe 
your pastor really enjoys mowing his own yard. Yeah, I know a couple guys who that like that's their that's their weekly therapy mowing their lawn, right? I mean, so go like, clean their garage for them, not their so lawn. So if you show up thinking you're going to do them a service yeah. and you mow their yard, maybe actually every time they walk outside for the next week, they're going to just see those crooked lines that they didn't get to mow and they can't do anything about until the grass grows back. So have the conversation, say I love you. So those are those are some really great things. Now I want to talk. I want to shift where we're going a little bit because verse 12 is super important. All right. So verse 11 again, and he gave, who's he, Christ, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, Amen. for building up the body of Christ. Um, and so I'm going to stop that, you know, there's a, there's a lot left there, but this illustrates my point that these fivefold they're supposed to be working together. Yes. There's a unified purpose here. That is the building up of the body of Christ. So how does the pastor fit into this fivefold in order to accomplish the purpose that Christ set out for the fivefold? That's a great question. And here's what I would say in response to that. It's a big the, question. The devil but... always tries to get things off kilter and yeah. mimic and he can't, he can't create. So if you sometimes if you want to see what God's trying to do, look at what Satan is doing and just think the opposite sometimes. Yeah. Or, or think, you know, like it's evil twin mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. And so I just said the words to you uh, that we've, we've created a machine and we've, we've told pastors to maintain it. Yeah. Do all the stuff. We don't, we don't want to think about it. We want to pay you to think about it. Make it go away. Make it work so we can come do our thing. Yeah. Well, what's the twin of that but the light side? It's Christ's body being maintained. Mm-hmm. It's the people being built up where they're weak, unseen, un, un, you know, it's not showy. It's not, it's are you okay? It's checking over here. It's, what, what, what's that sound like? Yeah. It sounds like pastoral ministry. Yes. Except the real stuff where it's not 97 programs where you maintain this and give me a report at the end of the week. It's people. Yeah. Like freeing up pastors once again. Uh, to get in the word, to be built up themselves so they're full of the fruit. Give them time to be in prayer so that they can turn and minister to Christ, the actual yes. body, not the machine we've created. Yes, the- because I, on that point, I will remind everyone that I believe, and I, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably believe it too, but everything that we're going to run into in life, the answer for it's right here. But if if our pastors are too busy cleaning toilets, mowing the yard, fill in the blank, whatever it is, to spend time to add to spend adequate time in here to get the answers, then when it's needed, they're going to be empty. They're going to be shooting blanks. Yeah, and that's not helpful for anybody because the the byproduct of that then is a parishioner who is feels unloved, feels uncared for, and I'm not talking about the the mopey like I'm talking about legitimately. Because of the machine that we've created, then the body right here, the saints are not being equipped for the work of the ministry. The body is not being built. The body of Christ is not being built up. So you've kind of talked about building up the body. Talk about equipping for work of the ministry. What does that look like when a pastor is is moving rightfully? Well, he's an elder m- modeling the faith, right? Okay. And so, I mean, literally doing what he does is, I mean, it's 
he's counseling people in the word, mm-hmm. um, living according to it, loving his neighbor as him, himself or herself in real time. Well, most, you know, I can be the big cliche, but most of Christianity, um, some people would hate saying this, but so much of it is caught by watching, you know, it, sure. it's not like I heard a half hour sermon that changed my life. It's watching how this elder treats his wife. It's watching how he speaks yeah. to his children. It's watching uh, at the restaurant how he's treating the waitress when she spills spaghetti in his lap. All these <laughs> things, you'll find people, that sticks with people far more than sometimes the greatest sermon yeah. uh, that they ever preach. Well, why? Absolutely. Because they're modeling love. They're modeling yes. the Christian faith, uh, Christian ethics, and, and, and doing it in real life, which is, uh, I've seen, you know, a lot of pastors, uh, they're extraordinary at these things. So, um, and then, you know, I would also say that, uh, of, you know, so if I just said a pastor, uh, shepherding, not under compulsion, you know, but if he's a shepherd to, to lead Mm -hmm. and to protect, well, guess who he's also, or she's also doing that with, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers that need somebody to come alongside them uh, and build them up and come yeah. alongside them. Uh, and, um, you know, apostles, apostles can have, and prophets don't like hearing this sometimes. They but can have a pastor? An apostle they can, can be have past, a, They can be pastored. A prophet can be pastored? Oh, my goodness, yes. And, uh, you know, the thing is, you know, maybe maybe the apostle and prophet... Or the evangelists don't recognize uh, the wolves, but maybe the shepherd would. Yeah. Well, talk, okay. Talk about that a little bit more. That specifically, and or I also want you to get background to something you said earlier about if a re, if a, a rightly called evangelist walks in the room, a, a pastor, for whatever reason, maybe they're too busy running around in circles, whatever might not have the discernment to recognize that. To do their job. Yeah. So talk talk a little bit about, like, I don't even know the question to ask, but talk about receiving and discernment mm. and <clears throat> maybe well, not I, receiving. I'm not going to preach a message about um, uh, receiving because Jesus did that. So I'm talking to people who know that if you receive those whom he sent, you're receiving him. Mm-hmm. And if you receive him, you're receiving his father. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and those are, that's a huge, huge, huge deal. Yeah. And so if we're doing it right, you've got a shepherd in a house that's protecting the flock from wolves. Uh, matter of fact, Paul teaches about this in second, second Corinthians, um, in chapter 11, for sure. I was in another place. Where was I? Um, do, 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 do. Oh yeah. Uh, Acts chapter 20. Uh, Paul is talking about uh, these things. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves Mm. uh, will come among you, um, not sparing the flock, and from your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them, and be on the be on the alert. Okay, so he. I mean, that's those are serious, serious things. Yeah, we're going to come back to that in a second. You go ahead. We're going to circle back around. I'm. I got to jump around. But this idea of uh, having a local shepherd in a local body with a real people trying to follow Christ that need ministered to, that mm-hmm. need somebody 
um, to shepherd them, somebody to be a lead elder at the local body, to talk to about the word, who's able to preach, who's able to teach, uh, who's a faithful man or woman, somebody who's doing what Paul instructed Timothy to do on a local level. This is an extraordinary person. Uh, Every one of them uh, are extraordinary people. Um, Paul is, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he paints this picture. uh, if, If one is coming preaching another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive it, and he's he's making a point to the church in Corinth, but he's identifying spiritual principles. Yeah. He says, or you receive a different spirit which you've not received. He said, you bear it beautifully. And he's, he's he, now he's pulling the apostle card here, like he's bringing some big boy correction. What kind of spirit is he talking about there? Uh, a religious spirit uh, that's performance based, and that's also uh, it's also the type of spirit that uh, Paul was describing in Acts chapter twenty: savage coming in, wolves coming in. They can come f- from us, but are not of us. Mm. It's a spirit that wants to invade the church mm-hmm. and wants authority to be uh, seen as Christ's authority, but really their hands are on it and they're in charge. Yeah. And so yeah. when you see true apostles come on the scene and then right order comes, why why true apostleship is so offensive, and I've said this earlier, is because the authority is taken out of the hands of men and put back where it belongs in the hands of Christ yeah. and saying, Spirit, come, have your way. Yeah. Well, imagine a local elder now with discernment full of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. If he or she sees anything uh, that's man trying to take control, the radar should be going off. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. should be, and they should be being supported by other men and women of God. Do you think that there's a um, a battle here, a potential? Because I'm hearing us talk about pastors as shepherds, uh, as protectors. So is it harder, do you think, for a pastor to look at somebody who is coming in that spirit, and is it harder for the pastor to call them out for the fear or for the the concern of hurting them uh, than it would be somebody, one of the other five folks. I think it's harder to call for the hireling to call out because they're working for their job, yeah, not for the call so much yeah. of the time. And they've been pigeonholed. Because the reality is it's going to, that is the most loving thing that can be done. Oh, 100%. For the rest of the flock and for that person. Because especially if that person doesn't understand what's happening, if they don't have the discernment to realize that they are the one bringing division, behold, thou art the man. Yeah. And somebody else from the outside can see it. This is this is the most merciful thing that can happen because it's, it's staving off God's judgment for putting their hands on the ark for lack of a better word. So if I were so if I were going to respond to this and we got into some deep weeds real quick. No, I, but I think it's I think it's worth our time. If I'm a lead elder at a local church, one of my big responsibilities is uh the gates. Yeah. Uh and it's not to keep them shut. It's to know who to open them to. And oftentimes ironically the problem is they've not been open enough at the right times. Mm. And so we've not been unwilling to receive those whom the Lord would send, yeah, um, because they're not, you know, they're not by denomination, or they don't look like me, or they're not old enough, or they're not young enough, or, or whatever. 
Um, and I could, I could go on and on and on. Um, and so I, if I were just a big picture of this, we would all do well if every set of elders at every local church stopped everything, did shut all the doors, did shut all the gates, opened up their Bible and said, if we're going to pray, if there's anything we need to repent of, we're going to repent. What's the spirit of the Lord saying to this church? What's his vision? Yeah. Let's do that. And let's find out what our pastor needs and let's support him or her. Uh, and, and let's do our jobs as elders. Yes. Uh, in this local body and let's build one another up and encourage one another in the Lord and let's endure till the end. And if every church everywhere did that, uh, things would change overnight. Uh, this is, he's talking about, Aaron's talking about shutting the gates there. The, at least a biblical reference for that is Malachi chapter one, verse 10. And the Lord says, Oh, that there was one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. Mm. He says, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Right. So in this context, like the very thing that the pastor feels like they're doing and the very thing that they're called to, but it's become perverted, it's become a counterfeit of that, the Lord says, uh-uh, shut the gates, shut it all down, repent, Um get it right. And then from that place when the well, when the Lord builds the house, it'll well, be right. Yeah, there you go. I could start asking the questions, but I mean, are we are we telling our pastors you're you're preaching every Sunday morning and this is the kind of preaching we like or do we want them to seek the Lord's will and preach what the spirit of the Lord's saying to the church? Yeah. Uh and if and that's on us as pastors. I mean, if I'm willing to if I'm I mean, this is a hard word, but if I'm willing to perform uh, because I'm scared for my job, I'm going to answer for that. Yeah, uh, I do not want to get behind a pulpit and open my mouth unless the Spirit of the Lord is saying, speak. Yeah. And, and God help us if we're telling a man to do that or telling a woman to do that as opposed to humbly asking the Lord, thy will be done. Well, what is it? Um, is it in Timothy? That's why not many of you should desire to be teachers, uh, because you will be a stricter judgment. Yep. Uh, so, talk to me then about how the pastor fits in the context of the fivefold, uh, because I think that we've you know we've talked about, um, and maybe we've already maybe we've already covered that, but. Well, it's whether you big. want to talk about well, whether you want to talk about it in in um, context of uh, like Metron, we've used that word before, like sphere sphere of yeah. influence, uh, or whether you want to talk. I mean, just talk some more about uh, how it fits in the context of of the fivefold. Well, when it's right, uh, you know, gifts travel. You know, I mean, and and callings are where the people are, and they're doing what they do. And so I've watched a pastor minister to a lot of ministers, Mm -hmm. and and it was his gifts in operation, and it was love, and he's in a room the Holy Ghost put him in. It had nothing to do with denomination, didn't have anything to do with performance, didn't have anything to do with religion, had everything to do with Jesus Christ and love, Mm. right? And so the reality is... uh, Pastors often do have responsibilities uh, to a local body as a lead elder, but they're not always the lead elder. 
and frankly, some of them are, are not behind a pulpit. Uh, some people are working a nine to five that are more obviously pastors than any pastor I've ever seen behind a pulpit sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but in the fivefold, I, I think it's as simple as this recognizing people listening, um, there, there is governmental authority. Okay. So I'm, I mean, if apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are in the room, people don't like talking about this stuff because they're either oftentimes one way, way on the end, nobody tells yeah. me what to do. Yeah. Or on the other end, it's like a hyper, everybody submit to me, everybody shut up. It's the word of the Lord. And the reality is truth is truth is truth. Yeah. And if Peter walked into the room, the lead elder, uh, at the local church wasn't the lead elder in the room anymore. And if they yeah. loved one another and they respond rightly, God will have his way in that room and everybody will get ministered to. Here's the reality though. That pastor can pastor Peter. Yeah. It doesn't mean he has spiritual authority over him, but it means yeah. he's, a, he's a man of God himself. He's a, she's a woman of God herself. And, and if my experience is any indication that pastor will feel the most pastory he or she ever has when he or she rightly receives an apostle. That's a hundred percent true. Or rightly receives an evangelist. Well, think about that. Well, use I, I let's go with the evangelist because people hear that more easily. Mm-hmm. So you got a bearer of good news. Mm-hmm. Let's say a local shepherd who's responsible for the gates of yeah. that local house. And every every true pastor will understand what I'm saying. I mean, you got you know uh, you protect your sheep, um, yeah. and you've got you've been given charge, and and so let's say you rightfully open the gates, and an evangelist comes in. And that evangelist brings the good news, builds you up. Now you're on fire mm-hmm. and builds up your people. Yeah. Well, how cool is that if you're the pastor? Yeah. How cool is that when it really is Christ-centered and it's not somebody just trying to rape the people and pillage and plunder for money and build a ministry, but they yeah. really are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's almost nothing that feels better than that in the world. Yeah. Now, this isn't us saying, pastors, let every evangelist come into your flock. That's Actually, not... Quite the opposite. Because <laughs> go back to the part where we talked about protecting and discernment. Uh, yeah, that receiving another <laughs> spirit, I think that's the part I didn't really get to. We'll get there uh, now. For a lead elder locally, you're responsible for that. Yeah. Like, we're going to answer for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and it's something to take very, very seriously. Talk about the fruit of receiving. We know what the fruit of the Spirit is. Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience. All of those things will we will see when a pastor is moving in and receiving the Holy Spirit, whether it's in another person, you know. Yeah. Talk to me about the fruit of receiving another spirit. Ouch. I mean, I, it's listed there in Galatians, right, next to the fruit of the Spirit. But talk about, I mean, because this is a real thing. Yeah. And I want, you know, I want people, anybody who listens, watches this podcast, I want there to be serious like retrospection going on to say like to have a serious conversation with the Lord, especially if you're in church leadership in any capacity, Hey, are we doing this wrong? Yeah. So like what, what's going to be there? Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not the Lord. I will just say that ultimately the fruit is death. Mm. I, you know, because there's life and life abundantly in Christ. And if I'm receiving another spirit by definition, what is it? It may mirror, it may say the same things, but this was happening in Paul's day. 
Uh, there was Paul, and then there were those who were faking being Paul, mm. uh, and they were better at acting like Paul than Paul was. Yeah, uh, they looked better, they sounded better, they preached better, they talked better. They, pro- you know, they probably didn't write better, but they probably thought they did. <laughs> um, and I could go on and on. I mean, Paul wasn't everybody's cup of tea, huh. but he was who God said he was. Yes, and and the onus is on the church. We have a responsibility to recognize apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and treat them like who they are in Christ. And if we don't, we're going to be accountable. And if we are recognizing people that are not, we're going to be accountable. Point blank, full stop. Nobody likes hearing that. Say that a different way. So you're saying if we're recognizing somebody as a pastor who's not rightly called as a pastor... Yeah, who's, whose responsibility is that to pray about the direction of the church? Well, it's the church. Yeah. Ultimately, it falls on the eldership first, but we're all, we are like, we are one body. Well, this was, I love that we just went here because this was the next thing I wrote down. Like, is the pastor primarily responsible for the vision and direction of the local body? He didn't have time I will to give my, I will give my, yeah, by the way, we don't prepare these. Like we don't, very, this isn't cooked up little. in a lab. We don't have a list of questions. So uh, if it seems like we don't, aren't prepared in a certain way, that's correct. Cause we, <laughs> we try to, um, well, try to let the Lord do this. Yeah. And so I would say this, that I think is a pastor primarily responsible for the vision of a local body. I would say, if I were going to answer that honestly, and there are people that would throw things at me, but I think a plurality of eldership is responsible. I don't mm-hmm. think the pastor primarily is, uh, but I think the pastor would be most, as a lead elder in most cases, would be primarily responsible for seeing if we are on vision. Yeah. What we have said is the word of the Lord. Are we doing that thing? And if you're the lead elder, the buck's going to stop. And so if something's going off the rails spiritually, it's going to be his or her job first to say, hold up, shut the gate. Yeah. So so let's say that there is conflict in, in eldership. So we're talking about the general leadership of the local body. Mm-hmm. And, and let's assume there is nothing unbiblical, okay? So everything, there's just a conflict of which direction biblically yeah. are we going to go? Yeah, that one's simpler to me. Okay. I mean, that's not complicated to me, but it is complicated if we're running it like a business. Sure. If you've decided not to run it like a business, that's real simple. There are going to be different opinions. Sure. There's one opinion that matters. Yep. And if there are more than one opinion in the room about big decisions, then not everybody has the mind of Christ. And so we've got to be humble enough to come together and say, we don't have it figured out together yet, and we need to be one. Yeah in this thing, be like-minded in this thing. And we're going to shut the door Yep. and we're going to go to prayer and we're going to open our Bibles. We're going to be honest with God and each other. If there's anything between you and me, if there's anything between us and God. And we're going to, we're not moving until we find that thing. Yes. And then we're going to get back on the horse and we're going to go and we're going to do it together. Cool. Not doing that to me is just, it's absurd. Yeah. Cause it's not a business. No, um, the vast it seems to me though that the vast majority of churches are run as such well may it not be so in our lives and may the lord bless his church to have her eyes opened if that's the case amen well this has been fun 
We have not said a single thing I thought we would say yet. Uh, we've kind of been all around it. Well, what is something you thought we'd say? What's in your heart that we haven't covered yet? Because I definitely want to get there. I I think I, I would want people to repent of overworking the pastors. And I would want pastors to repent of uh, being willing to be overworked mm. and being willing to be hirelings um, everywhere. Because yeah. it's not helping the body of Christ. No. We've we've got men and women dropping like flies and depression and other worse things. Um, because nobody nobody can work a hundred hours a week under the emotional and spiritual stress that a true pastor carries. Yeah. Without uh, not for very long, and particularly without the type of support we need from uh, one another. And I would say. There's an example, I think, when we do it right. Lead elders, I wouldn't be scared. I would say to you, for pastors, if you're, if you're listening, and I, and I have been one, um, we've done a disservice. You are one. Have, we have <laughs> yeah. been. I'm like, hold on yeah, a second. Okay, Wait. Yeah. Still, um, still is. <laughs> we've done a disservice not, um, not being a friend to the guy next to us. Mm. Um, that's carrying his own mantle and his own calling. Um, we've built our little our little kingdoms. You're talking about the pastor down the street. The yeah. Down the street. Uh, well, and let's just start with people in your own stream. I mean, if I if what I see is very common, uh, we associate when it's convenient, mm. but we don't oftentimes do it for the right reasons, yeah. which is Holy Ghost fellowship and love and the building up of the body. Yeah. Like if I'm a pastor. It, it, when I see you, is my heart to build you up, or is my heart to get something from you? Uh, if I'm a prophet, do I do I want to give that pastor? Uh, do I want to be a mouthpiece for him in for to the Lord in prayer, mm. and then minister to his house, not for something, but mm. uh, because the Lord, you know, I mean, those are real questions. And but when we do it right, you'll see more uh, prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers um, in the midst. Yeah, and I, you get this example in Acts chapter twenty-one. Um, you'll hear more talk of the quote unquote fivefold, but for the right reasons, because we're doing a podcast about the, these offices, right? Well, it, people get kind of skittish sometimes if you have a particular culture where we only talk about the lead elder, and, and if a prophet's in the house, all of a sudden we're all like, "Wait a minute, he can't say that," hmm. you know, or she can't say that. She can't have any authority, not not in these four walls, because we have we have a pastor, darn it. And it's like uh we we have such a localized vision that this is the Lord's church with a big C. Yeah. And he wants to speak to his church. Yeah. And these offices are given for the building up of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And just this is not everything in scripture is given for a reason. Look here in Acts chapter twenty one. I've I've always kind of been fascinated by this. You got Philip, properly called as an evangelist. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And one of the most extraordinary, and I think we've referred to him in a previous podcast. It's yes. been a minute. Yeah. Uh, love that guy. Uh, but he's a deacon. Yeah. All right? So now you got two major roles in the church, and, and particularly in that time, they were doing it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a deacon was not a small thing. No. And being a deacon was also, like, we've made it a guy with a vacuum in his hand. Mm-hmm. 
No, no, these guys were literally, quite literally, facilitating apostolic ministry. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe that's going to be our uh, sixth podcast, or if we did a, I don't remember if we did an intro on the fivefold to seventh, but maybe we, once we finish the teacher, we need to do a deacons podcast. You keep saying that, so maybe we will. Okay, but it's not. It gets better. So you get this deacon, who's an evangelist, right? So if you're a local pastor, what do you do when Philip walks in the door? <laughs> Do you go in protectorate mode, or are you recognizing, are you opening the gate and recognizing who walked in the door and treating him yeah, like it? I hope. That's a great question. I hope it's the second. Right? Yeah. So, but here, so here's Philip, and now because the church is alive and the Holy Ghost is speaking to his church, isn't this interesting? Now, you got Paul, so you got Paul looking at this situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm staring at you, so let's look at the... No, I mean, whatever. Whatever. They, they like to see your face. Paul recognizes that... Philip has four daughters, which is a whole other conversation. Four daughters who are prophetesses. So now in one house, you've got an apostle looking at an evangelist that's also a deacon ordained of God who's got four virgin daughters that are prophetesses. So they're young (laughs) prophetesses. So now you got, right here, you got six fivefold types, right? In the very, almost in the very next breath. They're hanging out in the house with a bunch of prophetesses, prophets and evangelists, and an apostle. So you got this fivefold party going on. I'm not minimizing it. Now comes down the street comes Agabus, a prophet. Think about this with a word of the Lord for Paul. Yeah, you start to see a picture of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a prophet coming from out of, from somewhere out of town or out of something, not in the same house. Agabus comes. And has a word for Paul. And then you've got a prophet giving a word to an apostle. Yeah. The apostle looks at it, says, thank you very much. And to use, uh, Paul gives an apostolic veto. Yeah. <laughs> true true spiritual authority says, I hear you. Yeah. I see what you're saying is true. I st- I'm still going. You don't see Agabus throw a fit. No nope. matter of fact, uh, everybody fell silent saying the will of the Lord uh, be done Yeah, with all these callings in the midst. You think those four prophetess daughters didn't have anything to say in the midst of all this? Bet you they did. Uh, I bet they did, And I bet you they treated one another because Paul was there like they were called Yeah, uh, and respected and honored one another uh, because Paul was the real deal, and he wasn't. And he was setting the right example for the other elders, so they were acting like he did. Yeah, He took advantage of no one. He wasn't there for profit. He wasn't there for personal gain. He was there for the building up of the saints, for the work of the ministry, pouring out himself. Philip would have seen that. Those daughters would have seen that. Agabus would have seen that. Pretty soon, you got local pastors seeing that, and what do you have? You got Timothy, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You got people loving God and loving people. Yeah. Building up one another in the Lord. Um, Being accountable. Start stuff. Look like church. Who knew? Very cool. It's a great picture there. Anyway, that's very. Like that. That's I. I was just uh, <clears throat> imagining Paul sitting around the coffee table and looking over at Philip's number two daughter and saying, "What's the Lord saying?" Oh man, you got a you got a prophetic word there, Helga, or you know whatever <laughs> it would have been. Yeah, that'd be pretty remarkable. What else? Anything else in there? Well, there's a lot. I don't know where to go. You have any other questions? 
Uh, not immediately. I know how we're going to end once it's time. We got about 10 minutes maybe. Um, and we're going to, I'm going to have you pray. And I'm going to have you pray for the people who are pastors who are doing it wrong. I'm going to have you pay for people who are pastors who are doing it right. And I'm going to have you pray for people who are called to be pastors that aren't pastoring. So I guess I'm just going to do this a little differently then. I'm going to give a prophetic word to any pastor that's listening. Don't be be afraid to slow down. Um, Don't be afraid, period, or it's going to cripple you. But don't be afraid to slow down because if you are like most, you probably need to. Um, And more than anything, you need the word of the Lord. You need to know what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church, your church, locally. You're accountable. And and if you don't slow down, who's nobody can do it for you. Mm-hmm. If you don't hear from the Lord, um, only so many prophets can come. Hmm. Um, but what I what you find is if people don't slow down, they're often not going slowly enough to hear. Yeah. When someone they're too busy to hear or to see when someone sent their way yeah. and past lead elders, we must slow down. We must open our Bibles and hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. If you don't hear anything else we said today, uh, whoever you are, slow down. I th- That's amazing. I also think that now is an apropos time for you to say what the Lord told you during prayer the other night about the fear of man. Yeah. So if, okay. So in order to keep, this is relevant here. Yeah. In order to keep my, what was the thing about religion? I said, and uh, performance, uh, sometimes I have to ask him. It was, uh, (laughs) there's a quote in there. I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up Uh, real quick. Yeah. I'll pull it up. Go ahead and say the thing about the fear of man. That the fear of man, uh, in the presence of the Lord, is arrogance, what was the other word? Vanity. Yeah. The fear of the Lord, the fear of man when, when we're in the presence of the Lord is is for the for an elder especially, but for any Christian, is arrogance and vanity. Uh, when we're looking around us, um, are we performing well enough? Um, what's that quote? Religion performs... To avoid disapproval. That's I couldn't remember what I wrote. Religion performs to avoid disapproval, as opposed to the spirit of the Lord in us being compelled to run toward God um, because we love Him, and I'm concerned about being approved by Him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got the fear of the Lord. That, there's approval I need, but religion will will do a lot of work uh, to avoid the disapproval of man. Yes. And we, as pastors, we cannot operate in the fear of man. It's vanity and it's arrogance to think that impressing these hundred people and keeping them happy is going to impress the Lord on Judgment Day. Hmm. Uh, preaching the gospel often makes people unhappy. Yeah. Uh, telling Because the gospel is not a pat on the back. And, you know, I, we no, were talking sir. about Tozer earlier, but it's not a pat on the back and Oh, accept Jesus. No, does he accept you? Like you're on trial. He isn't. Um, and this is not about receiving Jesus. It It's about you repent. Yeah. And believe. Yes. And, and when you believe, you're, you're believing in Jesus Christ and your life is changing. Uh, he died for you. 
and and you're believing that he is who he says he is and that his blood is sufficient to cleanse you from sin that is very real and it's death and it's inherent in those hundred people uh, that you're ministering to and keeping them happy is not your job. Mm-hmm. Loving them and preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that's your job. Yeah. Shut the gates on anything that's not that and God forbid those gates have been opened in you. Yes, sir. Preach when it's time to preach. Be silent when it's time to be silent. Guard against wolves. Protect your sheep. Receive whom the Lord sends and preach the gospel. Pastor, preach the gospel. I wish I could have. I'm going to have to listen to this to hear that list that you just rattled off. That was good. I'll say this. Uh, You know, Paul had authority to say what he said. Pastors... The fear of man, it's, it's arrogant um, and it's vanity. And you want to talk about vanity, let me quote Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, Paul had been being mocked um, because his, and I've, you know, we referred to this earlier, but it's, it's just he's the prime example because he's the scholar of scholars. He's smarter than everybody in the room. He's got more qualifications than anybody in the room, but he doesn't look like it. Right, so you got to have faith in God, and you got to have discernment to receive Him. Mm-hmm. If you do, your whole place is going to be blessed. But if you reject Him, God help you. Uh, and people were rejecting Him; they wanted the smooth, slick package. Yep. Um, he says, "We're not bold." Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse twelve, to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. Mm. Pastor, you're jumping through a religious hoop when, you, when you're trying to be as successful as the guy down the street yeah. and looking to how he has done things well to strive to get it done. Um, don't compare yourself. Be who you're called to be. Operate in the gifts that you're given. Love those around you and pray for God to send Help uh, for the things, you know, because we all don't have the same gift sets. Nope. Right? And some of us aren't the best teachers, and we need God to send along somebody who is. That's okay. Yep. Um, if we compare ourselves by ourselves, um, we're going to do two things. Number one, we're going to set the bar too low, and we're always going to be able to jump over it and feel good about ourselves. <laughs> yep. Because we've it. set the bar, and that's embarrassing. <clears throat> and that's the other so thing is um, we make a religious one too high. Uh, yeah. We condemn ourselves, and now you're doing the devil's job for him either way. That's not good either. Let Jesus say who you are Yep, and act like it. That's good. I love it. Well, we are out of time. I hope that we got to everything that was in your heart. Or we could least... go for another hour, but we'll stop there. Okay. Well, then uh, we will stop, and will you pray for our pastors, please? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for every one of these men and women uh, that hear this and that are called to it and don't know yet. You're calling some even now. And uh, Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that you would lift and heal grief uh, and wear and tear, uh, depression, and so many things that come on true ministers of the gospel. And Lord, I pray by the blood of Jesus that you heal. Um, And we know your blood is sufficient. And Lord, I pray that you would restore purpose and vision to so many men and women out there who are struggling. And Lord, we pray tonight for one another uh, that you would build up. And I pray that you'd free these pastors up to be pastors uh, once again. And Lord, if they're in their local body and it's been going real well, 
Uh, I pray you'd encourage them and strengthen them uh, tonight, uh, that they would persevere and endure. And I pray for everyone uh, to be doing this well, be running with the horses, being who they're called to be um, until you take them home or you come back for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're thankful that you joined us, and we're excited that you stuck with us this long. We had a brief hiatus. It was also summer. Our kids were out of school. Doing stuff. That was a lot of stuff, too. So uh, thanks for sticking with us, and we want to invite you back next time. Be sure to come back and hear the last of the Fivefold series, Teachers. And uh, be sure to like, subscribe, share, please. It helps us out. It gets the word out there. Um, But when everything's said and done, we're just thankful that you chose to join us for these Revival Chats. Until next time, take care. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. We hope you have been encouraged. We want to take a moment to let you know about an exciting opportunity for youth to come together and experience Jesus this summer. July 18th through the 24th at Lincoln State Park in Indiana. Fellowship Youth Camp is back. Pastors Jerry and Gary Mann will be the camp speakers and Pastor Michael Douglas is back in the kitchen. If you would like more information or to register a camper, please visit revivalforourday.org. You can also email us at fyc at revivalforourday.org. We look forward 
forward to seeing you in July. Thank you.